let's be real. Lawsuits are no fun, but with Paulson and Nace, at least they are a little easier. With two DC-born partners, Paulson and Nace will fight for you the way only a Washingtonian could. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, wrongful death, and other complex injury cases involving negligence. So if you have been hurt or lost a loved one because of someone else's mistake or negligence, call Paulson and Nace for a no-obligation consultation. Visit www.paulsonandnace.com or call 202-463-1999. Today on CityCast DC, on Friday, public radio station WAMU announced that it was killing DCist. That's the news site it purchased in 2018 as a way of reaching a younger audience. 15 journalists have lost their jobs, adding even more casualties to a local media that has seen huge cuts in the last year. Martin Ostermuel spent more than a decade at the site and the station. He's here to tell us what happened, and he's here to walk us through what it means for the city. Today is Monday, February 26th. I'm Michael Schaefer, and here's what DC is talking about. So you spent how many years at WAMU? It was about 10 years and six months, roughly. And you had been an editor of DCist, too, before it was acquired by WAMU. Yeah, it was before that. So all told, about 13 years in DC journalism. So if you were to go to the DCist.com site right now, which a lot of people do on a daily basis, you get redirected almost immediately to WAMU. And this this, uh, rollout happened like immediately after the closure was announced. How'd you feel seeing that? I mean, the first feeling of tragedy was really just what was happening to the people. I mean, we're talking 15 people who are losing their jobs. The website being killed off only compels the tragedy, but then also seeing this kind of redirect where you literally cannot get to the archive of stories. I mean, this is an archive of DC history. This is 15 years worth of stories that you can still kind of get to if you know, if you can be creative and be quick enough to get around that little pop-up, but it's really hard. So it's just, it's adding insult to injury. It's rubbing salt in the wound, I think. And it was a pretty surreal day. They were There was sort of ominous email on Thursday night saying, don't come to the office even if you're essential and we are cutting off everyone's access to our systems. And, and so it didn't really comport itself. I mean, it, it sounded very HR-ish and it did not sound like a culture of people who were into news. No, not at all. And I, in the 10 years and six months I was there, I mean, I'd seen a lot of ups and downs. I'd seen layoffs. I mean, I'd seen the traditional... They're going to lay someone off and security comes in and they escort them out of the building. And that alone is tragic. But why you would tell people not to come into the building and you'd say, we're going to have a Zoom meeting. And also the day before, they were all locked out of social media so they couldn't tweet. They couldn't access Instagram. They were locked out of the company Slack so they couldn't talk to each other, which I don't honestly get because we can all talk otherwise over text, over email, over WhatsApp. I mean, you're not stopping people from talking. You're just making it a little more complicated. You were not there anymore, but you were, I think, you're a good reporter and you're in real-time communications with the people who were in this secret meeting. What was announced on Friday morning? Well, there's two parts of the headline news. One was that DCS, the website, was being killed off, so there's not going to be any new content put up on the website. If you go to the website now, which is going to redirect you to, to WMU's website. But in the grand scheme of things, that was like the least bad of all the news. The worst part of the news was that they were going to lay off 15 people at WMU 
not all of them in the newsroom, some support staff, but a good chunk of them who had editorial roles, whether reporters or producers or editors. And this leaves how many reporters? I mean, at my last count, we're looking probably at four reporters that are going to be left over at WMU. And that's down from at full strength about two years ago, there was probably about 20 reporters. So we're talking a significant decline. And so what is the logic of this? I mean, that, that you usually don't just toss people out the window. You, I think their language was, we're going to announce a new strategic framework. What is the new strategic framework? What's the thinking about how they're going to organize staffing? Their justification was, they called it a pivot to audio. Basically, we want to go back to our roots. We want to focus on audio excellence. WMU is a public radio station, and they want to direct all their resources there. Now, one thing to notice, even if you wrote for DCS, so like a web story would go on DCS, but that same reporter would also do a story for air. So it's not like, you know, saying you're pivoting to audio is kind of misleading because there was all already a lot of people doing audio as it is. I think the logic from leadership was we can't be everything to everyone. We can't be web and radio. We can't be daily news and long form reporting. We can't be talk shows and news. So we're just going to focus on, on what we think we do best, which is kind of local politics, arts and culture and food is what they were claiming. And then we're going to cut down on the actual reporting. We're going to have a lot more just kind of, you know, audio producers on staff, but fewer long form investigative type stories and just fewer reporters out there. So let's back up a sec, okay? Because just a couple of years ago, WMU uh, had the kind of finances that as, you know, a, person, a former editor of a couple of small publications, I would have been very jealous to have. Can you just walk us through how they got to this point? I mean, just like a lot of media outlets, a lot of it had to do the, with the pandemic. You know, people's habits changed during the pandemic. So the listenership was dropping on the radio side. And that's the moneymaker. When listenership drops on the radio side, then people start pulling back on the ad buys and it becomes concerning. So that was the big part of it. But we were told last year when I was still there so, and during the summer that there was a budget deficit and that they were going to freeze hiring. So we knew that things were getting difficult. But I had been there before. Over the course of 10 years, we had been through other periods where finances were bad and they had to stop hiring and they had to do other things to kind of keep things short up until they could recover. But they always recovered. And I think former colleague of yours, Mike Bonus, he made a really good observation on Twitter today. He mentioned that WMU has some of the highest listenership of any radio station in this region. This is a very wealthy, very big region. And it's just confounding how it's not pulling more money out of the folks who have a lot of money to give and probably would give to the local radio station, public radio station, if someone bothered to ask them. This is not something I'm making up. I think over the years, even when was it our last general manager, JJ Yor, when he first came in, he said one of the things he noticed, and he'd been told this by consultants, he said it, he saw it himself, that WMU was underperforming compared to other comparable public radio stations in terms of how much money it was getting from people who have money to give. He's like, there's a lot of rich people in the DC region and we are not getting money from them because we just aren't asking them. We're not reaching out to them. So he made this big push to get more money from those communities. And that push led to quite a lot of hiring. They, they got a, a grant yeah. that enabled them to purchase DCS, which had started as a separate site and part of a network of sites around the country. And public radio station here, public radio station in Los Angeles, both bought their local IST sites. Yeah. Um, and by our numbers, there was like an operating revenue of $42 million in 2020, which is enough to make an editor of a small publication pretty jealous. But it didn't go up after that. It went down. What happened? Uh, I mean, I think it's very much the same terrible cycle. I mean, what we were told by Eric at the time is that ad buys, which in the public media world is called underwriting, had slowed down. Like people were just pulling back on, on buying those ads um, that 
offer a significant chunk of revenue. And because of that, that was leading to the deficits. And she just wanted to make sure she was controlling um, spending just in case it slowed down more after that. It's time to get dressed up, DC. So Others Might Eat is having its Young Professionals Network Spring Soiree that's to help raise funds for homelessness in DC. The gala is on the evening of May 17th at the National Museum of Women in the Arts. There will be live music from DJ Heat from the Washington Wizards, photo booths, food, and even a special appearance by a former actor from Pretty Little Liars. Wow. There will also be a canned food drive, so be sure to bring a few cans to support Sum's Food Pantry. Grab tickets before they're gone at sum.org slash spring soiree. That's S-O-M-E dot O-R-G slash spring soiree. See you there. So, you know, I just know as a, a former local reporter myself, some of this stuff way predated 2020. Uh, I mean, the reason, one reason that uh, WAMU was so eager to purchase DCist was that it, it wanted to beef up its uh, its credibility as a source of reporting. You know, it was not super competitive with the other reporters on the city hall beat in the 90s. And I'm curious about that. This is the, you know, an incredibly attractive market. If you're a young public radio reporter eager to make a name for yourself, it's a good place to work because the folks at NPR down the street probably listen to you on their morning commute. There's a kind of a sense that it had punched beneath its weight, and maybe it's going to do that again. Why? Why is that? Why? Why weren't they able to 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 be stronger? I don't disagree. That I think before I got there, you know, probably 15 years ago, I remember when I was listening to WMU as an outsider. It was a much smaller staff, and yeah, I don't think it competed with the likes of the City Paper or the Post when it comes to covering local government and, and that sort of thing. It did other things well, but that's one thing it did not do very well. I think over the years, it definitely grew and it was punching above its weight. I think when Patrick Madden was a local reporter covering the city hall, he really, he carved out a niche for himself and a lot of reporters did. I mean, the purchase of DC is wasn't to start, you know, competing necessarily with the Post. It was to reach a younger audience. It was a recognition that the one thing that it was doing poorly was on the digital side. And buying DC was a very good way to kind of grab an audience that DC already had and just like, you know, it's there for your taking. So when I went to the DCist site, I was redirected to the main WMU, and the first thing I saw was a house ad for the Diane Rehm Book Club. I'm thinking this is probably not a great way to get your your Gen Z or even Gen X uh, listeners. Um, but it was just to say, like, this is a station whose like biggest names, Kojo Namdi, Diane Rehm, these are are not young people; these are old people. Agreed. Um, it, civic institutions, beloved figures, etc. But these are not sort of new brands in DC. What are they saying now about how they're going to keep up quality despite having killed DCist? Well, I think you made a really good point. I mean, yes, Kojo and Diane are absolute legends locally, and WMU would be stupid not to keep them as long as they possibly could. And I think- Or longer. Or longer, exactly. If you could regenerate <laughs> Kojo and Diane, that'd be amazing. That's not going to happen. But the big issue is, and I saw the announcement today, and my big thing was they mentioned Kojo and his local politics stuff, which is absolutely critical. He, he's one of the best interviewers out there and understands the city better than any, almost anyone else. But the thing is, there's no one else behind him. And this predates even Erica, the current general manager. WMU did a really bad job of cultivating, has done a terrible job, I think, of cultivating 
the next generation of radio hosts, the next generation of personalities. Now, again, it's a different world, but it really is the tragedy of it all is that I think there was a lot of things WMU could have done along the way and tried in dribs and drabs. I mean, they had some podcasts, some great podcasts. They had some great personalities that they just let go because there was no commitment from leadership. No one said, you young cub are the next Kojo Nambi. We're just going to groom you to be that person. That never happened. And so now we're stuck in a situation where they have Kojo and Diane. Thank God they still have them. But at some point they will. And then what are you left with? Well, and so this is where the, the purchase of DCist was supposed to play a role. And by contrast, in Los Angeles, the public radio station bought LAist. And they've like redone their whole brand around LAist. So their theory of the case, maybe they're wrong because everyone in media <laughs> looks like idiots most of the time. But their theory of the case seems to be that LAist, something like that, something digital and aimed at younger people is the future. Uh, that's clearly not uh, WAMU's theory of the case. But what I'm curious about is what is their theory of the case? That's a really good question. I have no idea. I know that while I was there, there were a lot of discussions around which brand do we choose to go with? Because it seemed, it seemed a little bit confusing and convoluted and silly at times to say, we're WAMU slash DCist. And you go listen to WAMU and they tell you for more stories, go to DCist.com. There was a lot of branding concerns and those are understandable, but there was never a good discussion or no one settled on which one do we want to be until now, unfortunately. Whereas I think out in LA, like you mentioned, KPCC and LAist opted for LAist. Now, I will say this, LAist kind of benefits from the fact that you can say LA and most people there will be like, okay, that's a, a regional brand. DC and Washington are a little bit different. DCist, that's the district, right? You know, I think someone from Maryland or Virginia would take a little, some, some issue with their public radio station suddenly being called DCist. They'd think, is this really for me? But wait, what are they saying? Like, right now in the wake of having done this about how they're going to keep up quality? I mean, they say they're going to pivot to audio excellence. That's what the, the official line is. They're going to do more with local politics using Kojo and the, and the existing politics hour as a kind of mechanism to, to expand out into more coverage of, of that type, which I think is a smart idea. It makes sense because Kojo is great and people love their local politics. But other than that, I mean, they only have four reporters. They said they're going to hire a couple of producers and other audio professionals, but we don't know what that means. And generally speaking, producers are not for people you're sending out into the in, uh, down to City Hall or down to the county council to cover day-to-day -day news. They're going to roll on something from the studio that's being streamed, but they're not out there building sources. They're not out there doing the kind of day-to-day shoe the reporting that we used to do. So bottom line is you're not entirely convinced by what they have said this week. Oh, absolutely not. Again, I, I think the big message from all the people I spoke to is there's a recognition internally that things would have to change. But through all of this, leadership just refused to engage when reporters and editors and producers in the newsroom said, listen, we've got ideas. We want to help out. We want to explain what we're doing and what we think we could do better. Leadership just did not engage. So the current general manager operated a very insulated kind of like closed process. Like she was very closed off to the rest of the staff, more so than any general manager I'd seen in the past. Let me push back a little bit on the, the blame leadership uh, argument, which is the Washington Times used to have a metro staff of 30 to 40. The Post Metro was once like 220. It's about 70 now. A uh -huh. uh, bunch of other places besides DCS have closed or been closed. Uh, City Paper uh, is like a third of its peak. Do all these places have the same bad leadership? 
I mean, I'm sure someone would argue that. <laughs> for sure. As someone has, it might've been me. It might've been you. I, look, I think in this case, again, Michael, I, I just don't know how to tell you that like leadership there was so grotesquely out of touch with their own staff to the point that we had a meeting last summer that I was sitting in and we asked Erica, the general manager, what type of content that we were producing at that time she actually liked and she couldn't answer. She did not know what we did. And how can you as a leader oh, chart a path forward if you don't know what your current staff is even doing now? The number of newsroom leaders who have gotten in trouble for not being able to discuss the excellence of, of that is produced by their own people every day, it's incredible. They should all carry around cue cards. It was the most perfect, like you go into a room full of reporters, how do you not expect to get that, get that question? Like, look at the website before you walk in and just pick three stories that you thought were good. But she didn't do that. You were a reporter in, in D.C. for a long time. You yeah. covered City Hall. This is obviously predates your service, but the number of human beings engaged in this work has gone down very fast. What does this mean for the city? I mean, it's terrible. I just, just putting this in the context of what happened at WMU today, they fired their criminal justice reporter. We're in this moment where in DC, where they're debating kind of sweeping public safety bills where people are concerned about their public safety. And now WMU just doesn't have a public safety reporter. And a public safety reporter who was phenomenal at what she did, because she saw it as not just law and order, but also you know, people's well-being. And I think that blows my mind. So there's now more than a dozen journals on the market after the posts, buyouts, and, and other <laughs> Is the local ecosystem able to provide homes for these people? Which is to say, there's a lot of reporting talent that flocks to Washington post-collegiate. Are these people going to be actually able to engage in the work of covering this community? I mean, unless you're telling CityCast listeners right now that you guys are going to expand fivefold, I don't see a whole lot of other openings right now. I mean, look, I think the post is still big. There's still uh, there's always like going to be openings there. So if, if 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 locals want to try to jump over to the post, I think these are really good reporters who could fit really well into any of these other media outlets. But otherwise, what are we talking about? I mean, there's existing TV stations, but you know they're not hiring. A lot of them are trimming. Same thing with commercial radio stations. I mean, you know the landscape better than I do. I wouldn't have a ton of hope for these people staying in local. I know they have a future in journalism. I just don't think it's local and I don't think it's in DC, which makes me really sad. Well, so what should people do if they want to support local journalism, stanch the wound? I mean, if I had that answer, wouldn't I win an award of some sort? Like, I feel like I'd open my own media outlet and just rake in the money. I mean, what we always said was that the beauty of public radio was that we would pester you two or three times a year and ask you to give us money. And lots of people did. And it, it was a model that worked for a long time. And I think it still can work. There's a, a bill in DC Council that would fund local news. How does that act? And do you have a sense of what its prospects are? I mean, I don't have a sense of what the prospects are. I wouldn't hold my breath for it to pass only because the city isn't facing the greatest finances. It's going to have a tough budget season. And I don't think the council is going to act quickly enough to get this passed in time. And even if the de they debate it, there's going to be a lot of considerations over, is this what we want to spend our money on? I think they should, but being that I'm now in Switzerland, I will always you know, promote the Swiss system, which is on a yearly basis. We pay a tax that goes specifically to public broadcasting. I mean, we just pay a certain amount. It's about 335 francs, which is about 360 bucks. Um, and it funds public radio and public TV. And everybody pays it. Like You cannot get out of paying it. And they tried, they actually... Um, some right-wing organizations a couple of years ago tried to get it uh, tossed out to so that about initiative. And the country, the country said, no, we want to keep paying this because there was an understanding of the value of this. 
uh, of media being around, of local public media existing. Um, I'd like to think, and I'm sure you you may have been here too, like I'd like to think that at some point Americans will just suddenly realize like, holy crap, this is terrible. We've lost all this media. This isn't good for us. I don't. I just don't know when that moment's going to come or if it's going to come or if it's going to do anything. Martin, thank you for talking to us about this. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And that's all for today here on CityCast DC. If you enjoyed the show, why not tell a friend, rate the show, or support us by becoming a member? Check out membership.citycast.fm to help keep our show and newsletter going. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye.